You're listening to What She Said Podcast with Shanae Hall. Welcome to What She Said Podcast. I am your host, Shanae Hall. I have my mama, Rhonda Frost, and back by popular demand. We have my guy, Marvin Sapp. Bishop Marvin Sapp, let me give him all credits due. How you doing, sir? I am good. And I didn't know I was back by popular demand. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you know what? I had called you um, and was asking you questions about the polygamy, polygyny thing, and we did some research. And so I was saying, you know, I talked to Marvin, and this is what he had said. So they wouldn't think it was coming from me. And I was like, well, oh, bring Marvin oh, back on in. Bring oh, Marvin. Throw me under the bus. Throw me under the bus. Okay. Because <laughs> I know you got this. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank everybody that has subscribed. We've had finally hit our thousand subscribers, um, hundreds of thousands of impressions and thousands of hours of watch time. So thank you guys so much um, for such a short time. We've accomplished a lot. And so that lets me know we're doing something right. So again, if you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button and we can go ahead and get into this conversation with Bishop Marvissette. Okay, so this kind of started from our conversation we had a couple of days ago. Right. And Marvin and I were talking and, you know, we, we have both, we both have three kids, two daughters, one son. My youngest is the same age as, or my oldest is the same age as his youngest. They're two years apart, very similar. We both married the first person we fell in love with. And then, you know, here we are at this point in our life. So we're sitting there having a conversation and he brings up um, his daughter asking him for a very expensive gift. It was a purse. And he said that, uh, baby, that ain't, that ain't a daddy gift. That's a husband gift. And my first thought was, well, you, you know, you got it, which is I'm sure what his daughter was thinking, well, daddy, you got it. And he said, no, let me explain to you. That's something that your husband does for you. Not something your dad, there's going to be things that you can't ask me for. Right. And it got me to thinking about an article that I had read on this blog site called the steady health and it was about emotional incest from a position of a father-daughter relationship and um, they had over 7,000 comments on it where women were talking about how these men have basically attached emotionally to their daughters and started basically treating their daughters like their their girlfriends I even have a friend of mine who literally posted on his Instagram a picture of him and his daughter and is like this is my girlfriend let me bring this to you, Marvin, um, starting out from a father-husband dynamic, where do you think that that comes from and what made it to where you were able to separate the two? Is it because you saw it in your household? Is it because you had you were married? Is it just something you knew? Is it something that was developed? Like, How did you get to that point where you understood there's boundaries that have to go with parents and their children? Oh, I, that's how I was raised. I mean, you know, I... I grew up in a home where my mother and my father got divorced when I was nine. Um, and uh, my mother had to raise four boys by herself. So in raising these four boys by herself, you know, her goal was to make sure that all of us was felony free. Uh, that's that's one thing she would say all the time, John. I'll make sure my boys are felony free. I and, like uh, when, when I look back over my life, strangely enough, my mother's 82 years of age now. And uh, at her 80th birthday, all of my brothers and I said the same thing about my mom. We said that she was a hard woman. None of us said that she loved us. None of us said that she was, 
you know, uh, you know, coddling. Uh, matter of fact, she put us all out the same day to be perfectly honest with you. My brother was 17 and I was 20 and my oldest brother was 26. And she came home from her job and said, I'm sick of all you blankety blanks. I'm tired of all these grown men up in my house. I may want to walk around butt naked and I can't do it with all y'all here. So all y'all got 30 days to pack your stuff and get out. She didn't say stuff, of course. And 30 days, we, we packed our bags and we left. What she taught us, though, is she taught us, honestly, that there were boundaries uh, between us being her sons and her being our mother. She made it clear that she was not our friend. <laughs> Strangely right. enough, she made it clear that she was not our friend. And she kind of enjoyed that role of being mom slash uh, enforcer. And she felt that, you know, being mom slash enforcer is what kept us as young men on the straight and narrow and kept us out of trouble. Looking back at that, I made a decision, honestly, that I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I didn't want to be the enforcer. Uh, I didn't want to be the, the father that was uh, my children were scared of. I wanted to be the one that they could come to. But at the same token, I wanted to make sure that they understood that I wasn't their friend. Mm -hmm. I was open, but I wasn't their friend. They could have conversations with me, but I wasn't their friend. I wanted to maintain that position as being a dad. So the conversation you and I had uh, was about me and my daughter going to, every year I take them to, to Disney. And being a single dad now, a widower, almost 11 years, actually be 11 years in a couple of days, um, I had to take on the maternal role as well as taking on that father role. So when my daughter asked me for this extremely expensive crossover bag, uh, I just told her, I said, that's, that's, not, that's, not, a, that's not a daddy-daughter bag. That's, that's a husband bag. And she said to me, she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, when you get older, I'll explain it to you. Because there are some things that you should wait for someone who loves you, someone who appreciates you, and someone that you can share you with in order to receive those types of expensive gifts. Um, of course, they got expensive gifts, you know, they they've had Louis Vuitton and uh, been wearing Jesus Christ, Kristen Louboutin since I think Madison was 13 when she got her first pair of flats. Um, so they, they understand those types of things. But at the same token, I wanted to show them and teach them that, you know, certain gifts you should wait to receive from someone who wants to invest in you emotionally uh, spiritually and physically. Um, and as a father, you know, I'm investing in you emotionally. I'm investing in you financially, but physically that is something that should be taken care of uh, by that next level individual. And that is your husband. So, you know, that's how I view it. And, and that's how I think when it comes to certain kinds of things. I, I joke a lot about, you know, now you, you might want that gift, but you know, it's a whole lot you got to do for that. And it's a joke, but it's also fashion. 
is right. the truth that when, when people want certain things in life, there's a lot that go with it. And you really have to count the cost uh, before you make the decision to delve into and or jump into stuff in particular that you may want. So I have a question when you think, when you say stuff, we were just talking about this on the last episode where um, Instagram, social media has made stuff the ideal situation for a relationship, not character, not loyalty, not morality. Mm-mm. How many bags can you buy? How many shoes can I buy? Can I get a Birkin bag? Can I get whatever this new car? When when you see it, it's like, oh my God, he bought her this. That means he loves her. That shows whatever. How do you feel like that? What we see has changed the dynamics of what we're expecting from relationships. I, I think that that is absolutely a problem. And I, and, I, and I honestly feel that that's one of the main reasons why I made sure you know, the first car that my daughters ever had, I bought. Of course, I, I stayed within that particular budget uh, because, you know, I'm not going to get you no brand new car. Why? When you can get used when it's two years old and I can save money. And not only that, I can teach you the principle that goes along with that. Um, sadly, we live in a very materialistic age, extremely materialistic. And because a lot of us, hmm, I'm trying to figure out, I'm just going to say it, because a lot of us have had nothing. Character should be the thing um, that we as individuals should look to. Uh, uh, You know, their ability to treat you right, their ability to speak to you uh, in a mature and not defaming manner. Um, What is that beeping? Who's how? You know what? I was out of town. And because I was out of town, when I came back home after being gone for two weeks, uh, my my uh, it's, it's fire fall season. My fire detectors is going off. When Can I you get out. you a nine volt? Can you Listen, please get you a nine volt? I just got home yesterday <laughs> because I just got home yesterday. I heard it today. You know, I live in this monstrosity, so I got home today. And uh, when I came out of my bedroom, I started hearing this beeping and stuff. And even while I was doing my Bible study, I was like, this is not going to turn out good. So uh, I'm over here looking at mine like, no, it's mine. It's mine. So tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to make sure I go get it. However, because you can't delete that, nor can you edit that out. My point is this. I think, you know, I guess what I was trying to teach my girls is that, you know, stuff comes, it goes. um, It breaks, needs repair. Uh, but when you find the right person that understands your energy and can really speak to you in ways and in places and in spaces that nobody else can, that in itself is worth way more than a Birkin and a Bentley and a Tesla or whatever else, a house. All those things are, you know, they're temporal. They, they, they honestly do pass away. Um, but having someone in your life that really understands, you know, who you are and can really speak to who you are, uh, that's what you need to desire more than anything else. And and it's sad because it's not taught. You know, um, I don't don't, don't know what happened. And I had this conversation with with, uh, 
a church group recently. And in my conversation with them, I was asking them, you know, do, are, are there any older women that's teaching younger women uh, and older men that are teaching younger men about character, um, about when you say, when you give your word, that your word really means something. Right. Um, that, that you are committed to that which you uh, say that you're committed to. And, and sadly, that's not something that's, that's being taught in this particular season in which we're living in. But, you know, I'm making sure that, you know, I teach it to my children. You know, I, you know I, that's why I, I did the things that I did for them. But at the same token, I made my kids work for stuff too. So I have a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, I need clarification. So it sounds like you've given your children, your daughters, all the name brand stuff that a person could want. What made this one particular person any different? Because all of the bags that you mentioned are pretty expensive. Well, I didn't give them all the name brand things that they wanted. Uh, the, the bag that, that she wanted, promise you, uh, far exceeded <laughs> the, the other bag. Louis Vuitton, you can, you know, you know, you can get what do they call it? A, a never full. Uh, you can get a never full one of those for about twelve hundred dollars, which you know is expensive. Um, you can you can get a an inexpensive Celine bag, but what she wanted is she wanted a Chanel, and you know, coming in at a Chanel, the, the crossbody, you know, that's fifty two hundred dollars. Um, if you get a certain one. I bought a couple of them for my late wife in the past. That was like between seven and, and $9,000. And that was over 10 years ago. So, you know, when she asked for one, I was like, well, I'll just give you all your mothers later. Um, but no, she wanted something different. And I told her, I said, well, you know, cause she felt like, well, that's an older bag that's for older women, daddy. And I'm like, I hear what you're saying. I said, but you need to understand that a Chanel is a husband bag. That's, that's what a husband buys his wife. Uh, mm. That's not what uh, a father buys his daughter. A father buys his daughter what I call entry-level purses. You know, Tory Burch. Oh. Uh, you know, those types of things. Uh, but when you want to start looking at, you know, designer bags that are collectibles and things of that nature, those are the types of things that you should wait for because those are also bags that you can pass down to your children or pass down to your daughters. Um, but, you know, I said it like that to her, um, but I, you know, when it comes to relationship stuff, cause everybody named mama is carrying Chanel now. But my question is what did she have to do to get a Chanel? Because the truth of the matter is, you know, I'm a man, I'm a grown man. And I'm not just gonna walk in the store and spend seven, eight thousand, nine thousand dollars for a bag, and then not be something, for the sake of a better word, reciprocal. That's that's good, Marvin. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> there, has, there has to be a reciprocal return from that. So, um, <laughs> so, you, so you wouldn't buy that for a girl that you like just because, just because you're nice. With, oh, he with, said he'd buy it for a girl that he like. You just he just said you know what you gotta do for that bag. You better explain that early on. No, I'm, 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 I'm not buying who me? No, no, I'm not I'm, I'm not planning on spending any type of money like that on a gift uh for any person just because you know there there has to be um there has to be something there. 
you know, for you to spend seven G's, I mean, you know, seven stacks on, on, on something of that nature that's not yours, uh, that you don't benefit from. Um, so, I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm gonna stay there. That's 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 safe for yeah, the that's safe. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cut it off right there. Oh, like, yeah. I was, I was gonna let him keep going. I was like, let me see how far he goes. You know, I ain't crazy today. I got a little sense. I know, I know where to go, and I know where to stop. I was gonna let you be close to Look around. I was like, with friends like you, with friends like you, that's my point. You don't need no enemies. <laughs> Oh my God! I was like, oh, okay, that's enough. That's enough. You should say something. Sound like the brothers in the streets that we dealing with. I be telling them that anyway. Well, no, but just, but see that, but to be really honest with you, I, I really think that if, and this is so sad to say, because the truth is, is that there's really no difference between the brothers in the street and the brothers in the church, because we had to come out of the street in order to become a part of the church. And yeah. the church is filled with sick people. I mean, there ain't nobody perfect in the church. And, you know, and I tell people all the time, I said, you, you, you don't really know if you're really saved until you die. Because that's when you really know if you're saved and not once you take your last breath. Um, so, I mean, like brothers in the church, you know, just because, you know, they name the name of Christ don't mean that they leave. Uh, those thoughts and those concepts and those ideas, you know, of, you know, there being a reciprocal exchange at the door. Um, you know, uh, it's sad, but it's definitely true. It's sad, but it's definitely true. So, you know, in order for what I think personally is, is that there are just certain things that you should reserve for uh, that person that you're planning on shifting and transitioning with. And I mean, I'm a gifter. I'm, you know, I don't, you know, but you know, I, I don't mind buying things and giving gifts. I mean, it's not a big deal to me because, uh, you can't take it with you. Um, and you know, I work hard, uh, but at the same token, you know, I definitely put a, a governor on that, which I gift. And I do that because of the simple fact that I'm a man. And because I'm a man, uh, I know that if I go over and above, I'm going to expect over and above. So rather than putting myself in that mindset, I try to make sure I do what I do um, safely. In moderation. <laughs> and absolutely in moderation, yeah. Um, but I do want to, asked one of the questions that um, one of our followers or subscribers asked. They said, Marvin, what does the Bible say about getting a divorce? And how does that basically affect, um, you know, you biblically or, or spiritually when you divorce your wife or husband? Well, I mean, you know, the scripture tells us that, you know, first off, God does hate divorce. He does. Um, he gives an out necessarily for divorce uh, because of infidelity. Um, but then if, if you're also married later on in the new Testament talks about if you're married to an unbeliever and that unbeliever, uh, decides to walk away that, that he gives you the release to be able to, to be divorced there as well. Um, 
But, but then I begin to think about, you know, all of the challenges that people, that people go through. And, you know, I, I don't know if I serve a God that would allow me to stay in a marital relationship where an individual is so verbally abusive that it has broken me as an individual and tears down my, you know, esteem. I, I don't know if I serve a God uh, that would allow me to remain in a relationship with someone who is so physically violent um, that bones are broken and, you know, my life is in jeopardy. Um, I just believe that, that I serve a God that has a certain level of grace that he has given each and every one of us. And I think that there are certain things that God really understands that we should be able to walk away from a relationship that uh, jeopardizes, you know, my well-being and or my life. Um, even though the Bible specifically speaks of divorce, even though the Bible specifically speaks of, you know, an individual who is an unbeliever, I, I just think that, you know, that God, he wouldn't want his son and or his daughter to remain in a situation that is so tumultuous that it is life-threatening. So um, if you feel like your life is threatened, if you feel like, you know, uh, the individual that you pledged to spend your life with uh, is so demeaning um, and so verbally abusive uh, that you've lost who you are as an individual, if you feel like, uh, you know, that person that you fell in love with has walked away from God totally completely and uh, does not even desire to have a relationship with him, which in turn uh, would cause him not to have a relationship with you. Those are things that I believe that you as an individual can walk away from a relationship for. Um, but that's my theological position. So, mm -hmm. so let me be clear. You know, I, I would never uh, coach and or encourage anybody to stay in situations like that. Um, I, I personally wouldn't. I, I know people that do, you know, would tell them, well, if, if they ain't cheated on you, well, if, you know, if they, you know, if they ain't cheated on you, you got to stay. Or if you get a divorce um, and it's not on the grounds biblically and decide that you want to get married again, they'll, they'll absolutely tell you that you can't get married mm. because you know what the Bible teaches, but then you got to think about the cultural position. You have to think about um, what was happening in that dispensation in that day and in that time mm. for them to have those types of rules and regulations uh, put in place. And if you have that position, then it takes away from his grace, you know, his, his, his mercy. And I, just, I don't think God wants folks to be by themselves for the rest of their lives. It's, <laughs> it's hard out here. You know, I, when, you know, again, I always revert back to uh, my own personal experience, you know, being, you know, in the relationship with my late wife for 20 years, being married to her for 20, for 18 years. You know, I, I know I'm a better husband than I am a single man you know, because I spent the majority of my adult life being a husband and perfecting that side 
of who I am. I, I, I believe in fidelity. I, I believe in, you know, making a commitment and, and keeping your word and, uh, you know, being that individual that leads, guides, and provides. Um, and then having someone to trust you enough uh, with uh, who they are to submit. And here's, here's the thing about submission. I had this conversation the other day too, because whenever women hear the word submission, they struggle with it. They, they struggle because, you know, they don't really understand what submission really is because submission is, is simply strength that is under control. You know, Negro, I could raise up on you, but because I honor you and because I respect who you are, I am going to allow you to lead me and to guide me and direct me and to give me all of the things that, that you desire to give me. At the same token, I'm going to receive everything you give and I'm going to give it back to you better. Those, that's hard to find out here. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's hard to find, but, but, but those are the values that I believe very strongly that's absolutely needed um, for, you know, us as individuals uh, to connect, to find somebody to connect to and, and, and make sure that all of our lives are, are greater later. Mm. And so when do you say that about, you know, being married, I want to go kind of back to what we were talking about earlier. Do you think being married and being in that household, you understood this is my wife. Obviously, that she was your wife before you had kids. You know, it wasn't like you brought these strays into the relationship. She was your wife. They got strays. <laughs> you know, some of you, I had a one night fling, and then you just bring a stray into the. Now you got. They got strays. You know, you you understand what you're getting into. I mean, you 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 know, they are they are a part of who you connect to. Mm -hmm. They're all one. If, if it's her and two others or her and three others, it's one of them because you, you accept not only her, but you accept everything that goes along with her. So, you know, and we're talking about children, just so you guys know, I know. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't talking about, you know, they ain't talking about, you know, but it's baggage, too. It's baggage, too, because sometimes, you know, and now in this day and time, you know, it's not just children, but it's baggage. And sometimes it's not baggage, it's luggage. And sometimes it's like steam trunks and, you know, it's just, it can be a whole lot. <laughs> it's hard out here, Marvin. You, you, you seeing them in these Girl, listen, I need a counselor sometime. I'm telling you, I'm going to see my therapist this week. <laughs> I know that's right. I was going to tie in the fact that I think that, um, you know, when we're talking about parents that connect or try to make their children something is because they didn't have the, you know, husband wife dynamic to where, you know, this is my wife. She comes into my room. Think, she my I, shower. You know I, what I'm saying? And honestly, I think that's sick. I think, I think something's wrong with that individual that, you know, he feels like, you know, that he needs to invest so much energy and time into his daughter, making her his girlfriend. I, and, I, and I get the concept, you know, uh, where, you know, it's been said so many times before that, you know, a young lady's first uh, crush, uh, the first experience that she has should be with her father. And, and I get it, I understand that. But, but I do think that as they mature, that you also should teach them some things 
as it pertains to boundaries, as it pertains to what they should expect, as it pertains to what they should see. Um, you know, one of the most difficult conversations I had to have with my daughters was the sex conversation. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, it was, it was hard. I, you know, I'm a bishop in the Lord's church, but I needed a drink before I had that conversation. I was like, I need to go find me a shot of something because this is going to be a difficult conversation. But, you know, the conversation was simple. I went to them and I said to them, actually, strangely enough, I was taking them to the airport. And I pulled up at the airport and I said to my daughters, I said, listen, you all know my moral standard. Y'all know what I believe. Y'all know what I teach. You know what I preach. I said, however, you know, you all are going off to college. You have your own home um, in the city that you're going to school that I built for you all. And I know there are going to be some things and experiences that you all are going to experience outside of what I have taught you. I said, the only thing I ask that you do is this. If you should find some young man that you desire to give yourself to, before you do it, call me so that I can take you to uh, a gynecologist. If I need to put you on birth control, I want to do that. Um, I want to have this conversation simply because I'd rather have this conversation on the front end than you call me on the back end and tell me I'm going to be a grandfather. So I just ask you guys to respect what I've taught you to that point. And they say, yes, dad, we, you got it. And did they do it? Yeah, they actually did have the conversation with me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, they had the conversation with me. So uh, I ain't gonna tell you which one did, but they did have the conversation. Um, but again, if you was my girlfriend, I don't know if we could be, I don't know how we would be able to have that conversation. But because I opened the door as your dad, it was easy to have that conversation. I want to um, tie in our last couple of conversations that I actually mentioned you in on about polygamy and polygyny. One of the things that kind of have struck me as an ongoing thing now is that men that have a lot of means feel like they're entitled to, and not just entitled to, but would benefit the community if they were allowed to take on multiple wives or girlfriends, however. And like, I'll take on the financial responsibility. I'll make sure you, you know, you're provided for, you're cared for, you're loved, but there's going to be more of you than just you. Why do you think that's even a thing now? Or maybe it's always been a thing and I just didn't know about it, but why do you think it's becoming more popular today when you see like the Floyd Mayweather and the Nick Cannon and, and and all these people that are just having kids and all the wives or all the girlfriends know about each other like when did that become okay you know I I, I, I think well to be honest with you it's it's always been around but but because of social media it has become more prevalent and more highly seen um I think it's sad to be, per be perfectly honest with you. It's, it's hard enough to be with one person and trying to figure out they crazy, you know, uh, because every, all of us got it, all of us got crazy. Um, but, you know, once you learn one person's crazy and now you move it to another, um, it's, it's, to me, I think that that's, it's hard. I'm gonna say it like this. I believe very strongly if women would not accept that, it would stop happening. 
and, and, and I want to stay from stay away from the scripture stuff, but Galatians 6 and 7 is, is a scripture that applies to every phase of life. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And the two most important words in that passage of scripture is whatsoever and that. Because whatever you sow, that is what you're going to reap. So I think that when it comes to relationships, people need to pay attention to the types of things that they sow because you're going to reap it. And you never reap at the same level you sow it. You always reap more than what you sow. For example, you plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. From that apple tree, you get multiple apples with multiple seeds. So, you know, when you make decisions to do certain things, and note, if you will, it does not say, be not deceived, God is not mocked whatsoever. A saint sows, that shall he also reap. Or whatever a believer sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever you sow, believer, unbeliever, whoever, you're going to reap that. So you need to take in consideration when you're making these decisions, you know, as it pertains to how you treat other people, how you expect to get it back in return, because it's coming back. And it ain't coming back the way you gave it. It's coming back in the world. Damn! A lot of money ocean on that one. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just have one more question, and mom, you can finish it off. Now, this is just something that's always bugged me about the Bible, right? It's just, I just can't shake it. Bible, it starts off, he creates each something each day, seven day he rests, he got Adam there, makes a rib, takes a rib out, man should not be alone, bam, I got you a girl, she's gonna be a helper, cool, get it. Where are the dinosaurs at in the Bible? How come 200 million years or however long they was on the earth, how come all of that's missing out there? I just, I don't understand it. That's kind of random not relationship related, but I guess it needed to be asked. Yeah, it, I mean, it, the past is on here. We're going to get to the Bible. She didn't ask me this offline. She didn't have to ask me this. Okay, right. um, there, there is, there is a, a theological theory um, that is called the gap theory. And the gap theory is based on Genesis chapter number one and verse number one. Watch what the Bible says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. Then it says, and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of the Lord moved on the face of the waters. The gap theory says this, when the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, something happened between in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the Bible saying, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. They're saying that something happened in verse number one mm. that caused God to have to recreate mm. the world. And that's how they say the dinosaurs and things of that nature uh, came about and they went into extinction. The same way other animals went into extinction. There's a whole lot of animals that was on this earth that we don't know nothing of. And it's because they're no longer here anymore. Okay, well, that was good. That, that gave me some explanation. So you, you just gave us this whole spiel from the Bible about reaping and sowing. Well, right. what if in a situation where the husband wants multiple partners and the wife wants multiple partners and they both agree that it's good, 
Is there still some reaping and sowing, some repercussions going to happen? As, as long as two people agree, it should be good, right? Well, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily good. I, you know, I, I, do, I do agree that the Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree? And I know the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked. Um, but, I, but, you know, again, my theological position, and I've shared this with Sinead before, is that the only reason why there was multiple wives and stuff that like Solomon had and concubines and things of that nature was because of the perversion that sin brought into the earth because that was never God's intent. Um, if it was God's intent for a man to have multiple wives, he could have took out more than one rib. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The reality is, is that when he reached into Adam, he pulled out one woman because it was God's intent that he would be husband of one wife. That's why mm -hmm. when she came out of him, Adam was the one who said, listen, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh in my flesh. You know, and I, I, I talk about this so very often out of all of the responsibility that Adam had, he had major responsibility because Adam had the responsibility of naming all the animals. He had to name everything. That's a rhinoceros. That's a duck-billed platypus. That's uh, a lizard. What type of lizard is it? It's a chameleon. He had all these responsibilities. And I believe for, there's two reasons why God wanted him to name all these animals. Number one is he wanted him to name all the animals because of the simple fact he wanted him to see that which he would lord over, that which he would have responsibility for. But number two, I believe it was that God wanted him to name all the animals because out of everything that was created, God was trying to see if he could find something that he could connect to that was like him, that he can cohabitate with. And when God saw that there was nothing that was created in creation that he can connect to, he put him to sleep. And when he put him to sleep, note, if you will, that he did not take a bone out of his head because he did not want her to rule over him. Nor did he take a bone out of his foot because he did not want him to walk all over her. But he mm -hmm. took a bone out of his side. Of all the places, why his side? Because the rib cage protects vital organs. It protects the heart. And I just don't believe that God would take one bone create something so amazingly special and have her to stand next to him side by side for him to have to desire multiples or even for her to have to desire multiples. The truth of the matter is, is that everything that I believe you need, you can find in one person. Everything that you need. You You're just have to. No, 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 no. I'm not rare. No, no, I'm, I'm, I strongly believe it. I believe very strongly that everything that you need, you can find in one person. And I believe very strongly that the reason why I know that to be true, this is the reason why I know it to be true. Because you just got to take the time to explore. You have to spend time. You have to, you have to reinvent. You have to explore. You have to have conversations. And I said this before, love is easy. I don't care nobody said Loving somebody that's the easiest thing on the planet. But liking them, that's hard. People don't get divorced because they ain't in love. They get divorced because they can't stand that person. They don't like them. They don't want to be connected to that Negro. They don't want to be connected to that woman. You know, I fell out of love. No, you stopped liking that person. Something happened that caused you not to like 
that cause you not to trust, and most importantly, that cause you to want to be a selfless individual. And I believe very strongly in my conclusion that anybody who wants multiple partners, they're just being selfish. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. You heard it first, <laughs> live and in living color. There is Marvin Sat, who I respect probably more than any man on the planet, because he's the only person I know that actually practice what he preached. So I try to see. see let me fix this. Shanae, Shanae told me one day, "You're perfect." I said, "I ain't perfect." I'm not going to let you put that label on me. I'm going to start showing you some flaws. So oh, I need to see some because I didn't know you, what, at least seven, eight years, and I don't see no flaws. This man don't do nothing. <laughs> nothing. I feel, I just be myself, and I know I do all kinds of stuff wrong, and I just be like, you know what, I couldn't even compete if I wanted to, so I might as well just be the original me because, you know, the, the, the side of me wants to be like, yeah, no, no, I'll just have water. <laughs> it's wonderful. I don't cuss. No, I would never do that. That part wants to come out, but it never does. I was like, you know what? Yeah, let me get that martini. What up, cuss? And I turn into me, and he's like, you know, you a nigga. <laughs> I will say it all the time. Say, hey, you straight nigga, you know. But I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way, though. I mean, you know, if you can't be your authentic self, you know, who want to be around somebody that's trying to act like they somebody that they not. Right, that's the word. I mean, that's, if, if you're connecting to somebody and you can't be your authentic self, there's a problem. For sure. Yeah, there's a problem. And, and I ain't never asked you to be somebody different. No. I've always said, yep, yeah, what, what you want to order? Order what you want. You know, shoot, uh, if we're going to get something to eat or something, it's just, that's just who you are. And, and, and I appreciate that. You know, you ain't never tried to Act like you, you know, super spiritual chick. You know, you <laughs> thank God because you be messing up scriptures sometimes. I'm telling you, you be jacking them up. You know, the Bible says it's better to wash your hair than to burn up in the fire. No, it ain't in there. I'm I know sorry. I have fire in there though. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, and yeah. I always appreciate your authenticness too. Like you never try to. That's what I said. You never try to adjust to my off the chainness. You just. And you, you know what, for anybody that's in his congregation or that you might watching this, the thing that I love most about Marvin, like I said, I've known him seven, eight years now, he does not judge you. Like he's never made me feel like I can't be Shanae. It doesn't matter if I were at a restaurant, I'm drinking wine or for at a concert or wherever we're at, like he just, Shanae be Shanae and I, Marvin be Marvin. And we've been friends for this long because of that. Like our authenticness is just what it is. Like no judgment zone. Thank you, you know, man. I ain't got nothing to judge on you because you you <laughs> perfect. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I'm just you know one day I'm just gonna show you some stuff because I just uh, I'm tired of hearing this perfect. I just kick down the door and just like look, nigga, this is what we about to do. <laughs> just start start cussing out the blue just because you know my mama is the, my mama got her phd in cussing so i know how to put them together oh, I, know. I, I, just I just don't use them i just don't use them thank you so much for your time marvin and all of your insight i appreciate it i always appreciate your honesty love having you on and we'll talk again congratulations on you know all these followers and everything else this is yeah. this is oh. Yeah, you make sure you click the subscribe because I see it'd be thousands of people watching, but uh, 
it's not enough of y'all clicking. So go ahead and click that button. Make sure you get the right, and get that ping notice in advance. Oh yeah, they, my son tells me that that you gotta post when the numbers and who the person is and all that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out. Already made it. <laughs> you know, for me, I never would have made it, but you already there. Amen. Oh, tabernacle. Oh. <laughs> Thursday at eight. <laughs> Bye, let's y'all. Close. Let's close. Thank you. <laughs> Peace. We out. And <laughs> mess my song up. Right. <laughs> Try to yeah, edit. That's Try to edit. Wait, wait. Try I know it's Try to add my song to your show. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you want, can you can you hit one small note for him? Can you give us a little a what? Just one core, one little hook. Yeah, 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 there you go. Of Never would have made it. Never, Never would have made it since I messed it up. Correct it. Never would have made it, never could have made it without you. I would have lost it all, but now I see how you were there for me, and now I can say, that's it. Ooh, thank you. Know, I, 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 I would have sung some take, but you know, you didn't ask for that. Oh, wait, you know what <laughs> Thursday, 8 p.m. Appreciate you guys. Take it easy. Bye. 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 Good night. Good night.